You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I'm Randy McLaughlin. I get the privilege of being one of the elders and volunteers here at Real Life, and uh, just really blessed to do this, and I get to cover 2 Thessalonians today uh, in a series. So thank you for being here. Um, we're going to talk about a little, little bit about a young church um, and we're kind of a young church to some degree. We're 14 years old here. And in this growing college community, a lot of people coming in and moving out, and a lot of you staying here. Some of you have been here your whole life. And so just wanted to take this opportunity in this growing church. It's, uh, some of you may not know me and Jackie and I very well. And so I just wanted to share a few little quick tidbits. So... Um, some fun facts that I moved up here from Sacramento, California in 1986, summer, summer of 84, actually from Sacramento, drove up in my 66 Chevy two with my golden retriever and everything I owned and uh, to live with my dad in Palouse where I met Jackie Mater in our senior class. Uh, she was born here in Moscow. And uh, so we got married in 1986, uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, we've got two beautiful daughters, two great son-in-laws, eight grandkids, uh, and they love, I love it. They call me Papa. And I uh, got to spend Father's Day with all of them. It was just such a blessing. Um, so priceless time. But I like starting my message by inviting the Lord in and starting with a little prayer uh, just to get that going. So if you would, bow your heads with me here. Jesus, Heavenly Father, Holy Mighty God, we love you, Lord. We just invite you here today in this beautiful place, in this sanctuary. You're in our hearts, Lord. Just be here with us, guide us. And speak to us, Lord. Let this be about you, your precious son's name. Amen. So the introduction to Second Thessalonians, uh, the last two weeks, uh, Josh went through First Thessalonians with us to share how Paul uh, was blessed by them and had some guidance for them through their persecutions and encouragements for them as they continue to persevere along with some uh, clarifications and some end times uh, clarifications due to some false teaching. In Second Thessalonians, which is exactly what it sounds like, it's a letter to this. It's the same. It's a letter to the same church in Thessalonica, and Paul had heard a lot of the same issues still going on even after his first letter. So this letter is a bit shorter, a little more focused with each chapter. But remember, this is a real town and a real church and a real place and a real time. So 2 Thessalonians has three short chapters. I felt led to speak on and uh, share with chapter one mostly. It's a prayer. And I love that our God speaks to us and communicates with us. I love prayer. Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., I pray with the prayer team in a small room here off the hallway. And we pray for whoever's speaking. We pray for all the ministries going on. We pray for you here in the congregation. And I also make myself available up front here every Sunday after each service with Josh, Carrie, Dwight, some staff and volunteers. We're here to pray with you for anything that's on your heart, not just for salvation, addictions, and even goldfish we'll pray for. And you can ask me about that later. Fun story. Second Thessalonians chapter one is a prayer of encouragement from Paul the apostle to the church of the Thessalonica, along with a warning of consequences to those that don't believe, and that don't follow the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So in chapter 1, we're going to get started in verse 3. 
So I'll read a little bit and then I'll pause and I'll try to make it pretty clear when I'm pulling away and pause and, and, and sharing. Um, I think Jackie will have it up here on the screen for you. So chapter th- or verse three, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So Paul believed in them. Even though all their persecutions and trials were a real hardship of survival, they had to consider the persecutions from the country they lived in, the Roman Empire, the culture they lived in of having many gods, and from the religious leaders that they lived with that were trying to make them follow the law and not the grace of God. I'm not Paul, but I believe in this church here as well. I see your perseverance in faith through the pandemic, through the economic changes, the political changes, and all the distractions, the social media and news, and who knows what to believe. I see this church responding to the teaching and discipling, the growth in life groups, restoration night, and baptisms. Just, I just want to encourage you with that. Verse 5, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy in the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. God is just and he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. I love this part, this encouragement and promise. I believe that this statement and to us as well is referring to Paul, Silas, and Timothy. But I also believe that it includes all of those that follow Jesus. And I believe this because this is how I see God's heart working in us. We'll continue on in verse 7. It says, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might and on the day to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among all those who believe. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So this is one of my prayers for this church and this congregation is that you all will be his holy people to be marveled at among those who believe. I pray that you won't be shut out. That you won't be shut out from the presence of the Lord. As you spend time in God and prepping this stuff, it makes your heart soft and your emotions raw. So bear with me in this. Chapter 11, or verse 11, it says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you. And our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Let us all strive to be made worthy of his calling so that by his power, we all may have every desire of goodness, our every deed prompted by faith. The scripture says God made you, made me, made us. 
God chose you. And here it says God is making you. Do you really think he makes mistakes by choosing you? We need to have faith in ourselves too. We'll get more into that in a minute. Verse 12, we, we'll stop right there. We, Paul's including his brother Silas and Timothy because he is discipling them. He is discipling alongside them. He is discipling with them. So as we continue in 12, we pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. And we pray this for you at real life too. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's chapter one. I feel like there's a lot of us that don't think we're doing enough, that we aren't good enough, and we don't know enough, especially in our regards to our Christian walk and our following Jesus. And not to diminish that, that is a thing, but just... We know that there are consequences, and we tend to blame all the bad things that happen to us each day on our lack of obedience from not being great followers of Jesus. But I hope we will learn today that the bad things that happen to us, even the weeks that feel like five Mondays in a row, aren't because of our lack of faith in God. This was a letter to Thessalonica of encouragement, and I want to encourage you too today. I hope to do this in three ways. The first is by pointing out that, like we did, not all things, not all bad things that happen are our fault. The second way is that you may be doing enough, you are good enough, and you do know enough to follow him. And the third way also is that God has faith in you, even if you don't have faith in yourself. The church in Thessalonica was under extreme persecution, yet Paul had a lot of good compliments for them. They were, going, they were doing enough, they were good enough, and they did know enough. One of the things they needed was a little more discipling with encouragement and direction where they could do better and the things or people to watch out for. So let us start this idea that not all bad things happen are our fault. With this comment, I believe that gravity pulls, the wind blows, the sun rises, and time moves on, regardless of us, whatever us as individuals do. Which also means that life moves on, cars crash, disease spreads, accidents happen, regardless of whether we are Christians or not. If nothing ever bad happened to Christians, everyone would want to be a Christian so that bad things wouldn't happen to them. They wouldn't never get sick and never get hurt. It wouldn't be because they wanted a relationship with God Almighty, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. All throughout Scripture, and even today, in our community, we see bad things happening to good people, people that we see as better than ourselves. Yet they are dying with cancer, Or they got into an accident, or COVID got them. But no, they didn't deserve it. It's not punishment 
for not being or doing enough. It's not from their lack of faith or not knowing enough of their Bible. Paul, the very author of Thessalonians, also explained to his church in Corinth too. And this is how he told them, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jewish from the Jews, the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones and three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. He goes on and on about all the dangers and near-death experiences and the persecutions. And then Paul says, besides everything else, all that, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Now, most of this is likely Paul's suffering persecution from following Christ, from hearing the Holy Spirit and obeying what he hears. The devil isn't dead either. It's also clear that the Lord was there with him through all of this. And we, you and I, are here today, are part of the fruit from Paul's obedience of following Jesus, even through all the bad things that happened. Second Thessalonians tells us that there, were, there will be punishment for not believing in him, not following him, but that will be after the second coming. And it won't be because we don't read our Bible all day every day. There will be true judgment from Jesus of our heart's decision to follow him. Now, there are consequences of bad things that happen to us because of our decisions. And we know that if we smoke cigarettes, our bodies don't heal as fast, and we have a lot higher risk of cancer. We know that over-drinking clouds our judgment and slows our reactions, and bad things can happen of our decisions. And on the same line of thinking, though, if we do read our Bibles and talk to God throughout the day and try to love other people well, we will see positive things happen. We probably won't get as angry with our spouse or other family when something goes wrong. We may actually hear the Lord say to slow down as we carve through a corner on a beautiful windy road or to buy that house just before the market goes up. You might even feel the Holy Spirit nudging you to go to church or to a life group or to take a class at Restoration Night which there are a lot of us here that have experienced some pretty great things from just showing up and getting involved in the Christian community around us. You see, I think Paul heard about the good choices that the Thessalonians were making, even in their extreme persecution, and wanted to encourage them to keep making those fruitful choices. Paul seeing the fruit from their works. Love it. Now about God having faith in us, even if we don't have faith in ourselves. It looks obvious to me that God saw their faith in the church of the Thessalonians, their obedience and fruit as well. He also knew the persecutions that they were going to face here in the future. So it would make sense that God would use Paul, Timothy, and Silas to encourage their faith, their obedience, and following Jesus, knowing that without it, They would lose faith in themselves, even if they still believed in Jesus, 
and might backslide as some of the other churches had done. There's a great story here of Jesus having faith in one of us, even if we lose faith in ourselves, is Matthew 14, 28 through 31. So let me set the scene up for you a little bit. So the disciples are on a boat and see a Galilee and a big storm's coming up and it's the middle of the night and they're just trying to get to shore. And they see this image coming at them and they're not sure. It looks like someone walking at them. As he gets closer, Peter recognizes him and he sees him out there. He's like, Jesus, if that's you, call me out to you. You see, in that culture in that day, your rabbi, Jesus was Peter's rabbi, you were to be like your rabbi. You're to follow him. You're to copy him and do what he does. He sees his rabbi walking on water. So he has faith in his rabbi, and he has faith in himself. So he says, let me come out. Call me out to you. And Jesus says, come on. Peter's like, I'm going. He gets out of the boat. And he's walking on water and walking towards Jesus. And then, like a lot of us, we see what's going on around us. We see the chaos. We see the storms and the waves and the wind. And we get fearful. And we start to sink. But at least Peter, he calls out to Jesus, save me. What's Jesus do? He immediately reaches down and pulls him up and saves him. And then he looks at him and he says, Peter, why did you doubt? You have little faith. So I want to ask you, why did Jesus say that to him? Who did Peter not have faith in? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water, doing just fine. He called out to Jesus to say, save me. So he knew Jesus could save him. So it couldn't have been his lack of faith in Jesus. It must have been Jesus pointing out Peter's lack of faith in himself. Peter needed saved. He still needed discipling. And his faith in himself needed strengthened. Peter goes through a few more tests before Jesus leaves. But those stories are for another time. And I know when I get fearful, my heart rate goes up and anxiety start taking over. It's, un- it's usually because I'm losing faith in myself. Of being good enough, smart enough, or talented enough. I don't really have a God issue, a faith issue in God. I know who he is as the creator, the savior, and Holy Spirit. I know he isn't falling off the throne. I have a lack of faith in myself at times. And when that happens, I just need to go to him whatever way that I can at the time. I can just call out his name, Jesus, save me. We can just start talking to him, praying to him. I have a me and three guys that I can call or text. And sometimes they just know when they just call me. It's amazing. I can ask for prayer from our prayer team. Our life group stays connected and prays for each other often. A couple months ago, I dumped my adventure bike on some ice up in the mountains, broke a bunch of ribs. So many of you prayed for me. 
And I am healed. Praise God. And also due to some technicalities with our insurance policy, wasn't going to cover it. And it looked like I was stuck with $25,000 plus of medical bills. They weren't all in yet. I admitted our situation to the prayer team, our life group, the elders and others. Then a week or so, I got a hold of the VA to discuss the accident. They were already paying the bills. They gave me the medical codes the hospitals needed, and it was all covered. Praise God. Again, answered prayer. It doesn't always go this easy and this way, but it sure doesn't hurt to share and pray and give God the opportunity. And I sure will always give God the credit for that. Brothers and sisters, God has faith in us. Our fears, our guilt, our shame is from our lack of faith in ourselves. So my prayer is that we will all remember that God has faith in us. It's not all your fault and that you are doing enough. You are good enough and you do know enough to follow Jesus. Now I'm not Paul, obviously, but I was asked, what would I say in a letter to this church? What do I see from my perspective as an elder here at Real Life on the Palouse? So if you don't mind, I'll read this before we go to communion. To the church at Real Life on the Palouse, hello to you all, my brothers and sisters here on the Palouse. I thank God that I get to to be here serving with you all, doing life together and striving to reach this community, hoping to lead these people to Jesus one person at a time. I thank God for your response to the teaching and discipling that this leadership and staff, along with a lot of volunteers, work so passionately to serve you. This church community here at Real Life does hear from the Lord. You do respond. You are showing up. Your average attendance is growing on Sundays. Your life group attendance is growing as well. Restoration Night is able to offer more classes than ever before on Thursday nights where lives are being changed testimonies are being shared the chains from addictions are being broken identities are being discovered and much much more you church you worship well I know that the Lord is pleased as he hears you sing and lift up your voices in praise to your king as he sits on his throne with joy in his heart as he watches you cry, as your heart softens and repents from your decisions and choices. He is blessed as, you, as he hears the instruments so talentedly played and voices like angels singing his praise. You, church, you feel his love as you hug one another each Sunday morning. You hug with compassion and feel each other's pain and loss or the joy of a birth or a marriage. You love each other well, and you have loved my family, and I well too. I see you praying for each other after service and in the lobby. I hear the conversations about the message as you strive to open your minds and open your ears, to hear from God Almighty as he speaks to your hearts. Real life, 
You are bringing the kingdom of heaven to the Palouse. Your faith is growing. And as you fight against all the distractions of the evil one, he attacks you and I see you getting stronger, pulling together, holding each other tighter and tighter. So please keep praying. Because through scripture, it shows us that through prayer, things change. So please pray for our country. Pray for our state. Pray for our community and these churches. Pray for your lead pastor, the elders, the executive team, the sermon team. And pray for the staff, all the volunteers that help us spread the message of the Lord leading people to Jesus one person at a time with his love and his kingdom. And if you don't believe in God yet, at least know this, that he believes in you. Please continue to show up and get involved. Please continue to lift each other up, pressing into your Bibles and scriptures, singing those songs loud and letting the tears fall as your hearts heal. Let go of your fears and your pride. In the name of Jesus. The tree here at Real Life is full of fruit from your good works. Stay close to the spiritual river and fill your cup with the strength and love. I long for the day that we will all be singing together his praises in heaven for all eternity. And now may the Lord of peace, who believes in you, give you peace and love at all times in every way, May the Lord be with you all. So at this point, we'd like to go to communion. This communion is another example of God believing in us. If he didn't believe in us, would he have given us his only son, knowing that we would crucify him? He knew a lot of us would believe in him and in his son. God had mercy on us when he allowed Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. So as we take this bread that represents the body of Jesus, just remember, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us remember your broken body for us. Then he took a cup of wine or juice And this represents the blood shed for us. We just need to remember and reflect in that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let us remember his blood shed for us. Pray with me if you would. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, Mighty God, for creating us. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for showing up here today. I ask that you will leave here in the hearts of your people from this congregation. That you will continue to speak to them and that you will continue to love on them. Strengthen them and continue to have faith in them. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.